Yeah, Heavenly Father, we just want to lift Garth up to you, Lord. We want to just ask you to, to bless him as he preaches the word tonight, Lord. I pray, Father, that he will preach the message that you have laid, that is on your heart, Lord. I pray, Father, that he'll be led tonight by your Holy Spirit and that he, will, he won't say anything that is not from you, Lord. Father, I pray for each person here tonight that their hearts will be open to receive this message that he has to share with us. Pray you bless him and watch over him. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks, Conway. Appreciate it. Good evening, everybody. You're such an intimate time. It's been a while since I've been here. I don't know if any of you saw my two little ones at the back dancing and worshipping. and They're coming up to two years, so my wife is with them in the mother's room, So, but it's nice to have them here with me, supporting me tonight. Um, and it's a privilege to be with you guys. It's been quite a while. Um, as I said previously, I think they let me at you guys in small doses, you know. <laughs> but um, such a privilege always to address the flock. Um, God feels very tenderly about you, and I'm grateful to be part of the flock as well. Um, yeah, I just just the, the journey that we're on with being ready for a display of God's glory, I'm just thinking, Moses, you know, putting aside the whole fact that we know, at, you know, in hindsight that he's like Moses, just the amount of time that he must have spent with the Lord to come to that place of where he just said, like, Lord, can you just show me your glory? You know, we always look back and we think, wow, what an amazing thing to say. But there was something in his relationship with the Lord that stimulated that, that strong desire, you know, and the Lord fulfilled it. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just thinking, what, what does that look like in my life? You know, how do I, you know, am I spending that amount of intimate time with him that there's these, just these, you know, heart's desires that I can just express to him and say, yes, Lord, show me your glory. Like for real, not just in a cognitive, I know that that's what we as Christians should be asking, but just like a real from deep inside, just saying, wow, like you've captivated me and I I don't know what what I'm even asking, but can you just show me what that entails? So I I just thought to leave that with you guys. Um, Tonight I'm going to be sharing with you regarding... um, being ready to invest time. I find it quite ironic. I feel like I'm the, <laughs> I came late for the, the, the pre-service prayer and everything, and I'm just like, you know, it's, life is a bit crazy at this stage, you know? And uh, I just feel it's quite ironic that I get to be the person to share with you tonight. But besides the, the fact of time and, you know, my life being a bit chaotic, and I'm sure we all have an element of chaos in our, in our own lives, there really is this, the thing that where my heart resonates is um, how do we practically live with and for God 24-7, 365? I chucked in the leap year as well. It's just kind of, you know, every, every, you, we can't forget the, the little bits and pieces in between, you know? So tonight, I'm hoping that we can, that I can unpack together with you guys that the fact that time is a treasure that we've been given by God to use for His glory, and then how do we practically not only live for God, but with Him? And I think that's kind of, that's kind of the thing that I would love to try and pack with you guys. I fell dismal, dismally at this, um, but I, I really feel like we cannot ever water down our experience or the truth according to our experience. We always need to hold the truth there and say, well, even though I'm not experiencing it yet, 
I know that that's the standard. I know that that's the mark. Um, otherwise, we start explaining things away just because we can't do it, whatever. But God is the God of the impossible. And uh, I'm really grateful for that because there's a lot of impossible things that seem impossible to me. So besides the irony, um, just my story with this specific focus is um, I was in year of your life. I, um, if any of you know me, I'm quite an intense person. Uh, I started year of your life in 2005. I had quite a hectic uh, conversion experience and all these kind of things. And in that, I really didn't know much about the Lord. I, was, I got baptized five times because I thought that I, every time, if I get baptized, then I'm going to stop sinning. And it didn't play out that way. And so I, I ended up, I didn't really realize what, what the whole deal was. And uh, I began to grow and mature and grow in the Lord in that. And then one of the, um, the things that they teach you in Christian circles is quiet time, this thing of quiet time, right? And uh, I know Uncle Angus is also big on quiet time. And it's, it's something that we all try to strive for, you know. And uh, I got quite perplexed as a young Christian because it was just, often it was difficult to, to keep this thing of quiet time or to have enough quiet time or um, often feeling like, you know, like I would have an amazing time with the Lord, you know, however short or long. And then I would kind of leave the Lord behind and go into my day. You know, it kind of felt that way. It was like, okay, Lord, well, this was a sacred time and now I'm going to go into the world and I'm going to be there and we're going to, I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. But I'm grateful for the time I had with you because that's going to sustain me through the day. And I remember I was driving down Janu Masilela past the Ferry Glen Nature Reserve one afternoon and I was really wrestling with this thing and it was just, I wish I could, my, I, I cut my thumb quite deeply yesterday, <laughs> so I can't really do anything with it. Um, so I'm driving down the road, and the next thing in this wrestling and that, the Lord just says, I don't want some of your time, I want all of your time. And I was just like, jeepers, man, you know, how do I do that? And actually, as I've journeyed with the Lord, I found it more liberating Actually, that he doesn't just want like a, a portion of our time or a little quiet time. Like that's, he's not, he's not an idol where you just go and appease the idol or get what you need from the idol and go, you know, kind of thing. He's, he's the living God. Um, he, he's not just alive in your quiet time. He's alive all the time. He's alive before you were alive. <laughs> so, and he really wants to be intimate with us. He really wants to reconcile us to himself. He really wants to actually restore his image inside of us. And uh, as, as a human being, that's the thing that I want the most, is for the image that I was created in to be restored within me and to be accurately and authentically expressed through me. And I believe that's what it means to follow Jesus. Um, I'm so grateful to the lady that read the scriptures. I mean, he's the visible image of the invisible God. He came to show us not only what God is like, but also what we are, should be like. You know, it says that he is the radiance, the very essence of the Father's being. It's like, oh, it was just, I, the, that, that is like the essence of what it means to follow Jesus. It doesn't mean to be a good person that goes to church on a Sunday, you know, and read your Bible. It, that's, that's like, that, that's not what it means to follow him. So that's just where I'm coming from tonight is, is that the Lord really wants all of our time. And it's not in a demanding, you know, that kind of boyfriend, girlfriend or wife or, you know, where it's like this 
like I'm, you have to do this otherwise, you know? It's like he just knows that he's the best for us. He's not confused about that. It's often us that are confused about that. Our flesh kicks back against things like that. Our, our worldviews, the, the world around us kicks back against stuff like that and says, what? but then I'm not going to be free, you know? And there's, there's so many things and, and stuff like that, but the Lord knows that he's the best for us. And uh, just another interesting story in regards to time. Um, I, work, uh, I, I used to work in a juvenile prison, currently working in a, a, an adult male medium correctional center. And um, when I was working at the juvenile prison, this is quite a few years ago, like between 2011 and 2013, there was a young guy there who had been there for, um, he'd already been there for about seven years. So what happens is if you, if you get arrested, you'll go on trial and depending how long your trial is, you know, which can be very long and how complicated the, 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 the um, I don't know, the crime is or whatever the, the case is, it can really get drawn out. So this guy served, I think he served about five years on trial before he actually started serving his sentence. You know what I mean? So it's like this limbo state. But anyway, this guy, we were just talking one day. And just to give you a perspective on time, he just, he, he told me, he's, I said to him, hey, um, how long have you been here? And he told me seven calendars. I just thought, what? Whoa, just say that again. Seven calendars. And I just thought, what an image, you know, that this guy's been marking off every single day, you know. Like he doesn't talk about seven years. He was speaking about seven calendars, you know. Um, so I just thought I'd chuck that in there as a, as a perspective on time. And time is precious. And uh, the way, obviously, with uh, society makes, makes, um, makes people pay back in regards to time. They get sentences based on time. Time is the currency with which we live out our lives. And in a real sense, we actually transact with time. Uh, every aspect of our lives is governed by time and is subject to time. And therefore, what we trade for our time and what we invest our time in actually becomes of crucial importance. It becomes essentially crucial for us to, to, to not take it for granted and to really harness it and to really embrace it in order to use it for God's glory. We all use time for different things and we all engage with time in different ways. None of us is the same We've all got different likes, dislikes, things we committed to, things we're passionate about, all of that. And wherever you are at in regards to time and your personal time, I really trust that the Lord's going to speak to you tonight. Um, I've tried to put together some practical things, um, you know, and I, I really hope that you'll be able to walk away with at least one thing um, that will be beneficial for you tonight. Um, just to practice, you know. I believe that coming together on Sundays is a rehearsal for reality. It's not an escape from reality. It should be a rehearsal for reality. So it should be us coming together to rehearse for the reality that lies ahead in the week. So it's, it's important for us to take um, what the Lord lays on our hearts and to go and actually practice that and implement that. It's quite difficult to, to implement a new sermon every week as well. And especially for those who are listening to five sermons a week. I mean, good luck implementing all that stuff. So in this series, the main idea is that God owns and we manage. So that's been a, a, a kind of like a catchphrase that's been coming through, and it's the truth. God owns everything. The earth and the fullness thereof belongs to him, and it's actually us. We need to take on that posture of stewardship, that posture of being someone that is entrusted with resources 
talents, whatever it may be, including time, and actually um, just managing that well for God's glory. Just some biblical perspectives that I want to cover with you guys with the time that we have together. Um, Firstly, it's the concept of time. Time is actually God's idea. And you can get very philosophical on time. And Albert Einstein, I think, is the one that said time doesn't really exist. And there's all, you know, you can Google and you can come up with all kinds of things. But essentially, time is God's idea. I think the part that wasn't his idea was the fact that our time comes to an end. You know what I mean? Like death, funerals, all those things weren't part of the plan. So, but initially, and if you don't believe me, um, it's, it's just uh, reading from Genesis chapter 1 verse 14 where it says, And God said, Let there be light in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. So that's not just for sacred times only. And it's important. I'm going to play around a little bit with a sacred secular thing. It's, it's there for sacred times, but it's also, also there for days and for years. So time as we know it. Um, then in terms of a biblical perspective on personal time, the scripture, oh, forgive me, um, I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself here. The next, the next scripture reference in, in regards to time being, um, or the concept of time and that it's God's idea is that Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. It's a very well-known scripture, um, but it, that's the reality of it. Then it comes to the concept of, uh, or biblical perspective on personal time. In Psalms 31 verse 15, David is quoted as saying, my times are in your hands. And the very next words is, please deliver me from trouble, you know. But the, the truth of it is that our times are in his hands. Psalms 139 verse 16 says that all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How profound is that? So there was quite a bit of mention of you may be here feeling like a failure, you may be here feeling separated from the Lord or whatever it may be. Wherever you find yourself, God knows every single one of your days before one of them came to be. It's quite reassuring and we'll unpack some of that. I'm not going to go into predestination and all that kind of stuff. You can go there yourself. <laughs> and then also Psalms 19, uh, 90 verse 12 which is quite a profound verse. It says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So there's really wisdom in taking stock. There's wisdom in living a reflective life, a life where we actually reflect, we contemplate, we take, we, we take stock, we stop. We don't just carry on and on and on and on, um, which unfortunately can happen very easily in the, in the world that we live in today. We can just keep moving from one thing to the next thing to the next thing and never take stock. Ten years from now, you're sitting, you're burnt out, you're wondering, how did I get you? You know, it's because after that thing that happened ten years ago, you never really dealt with stuff. <laughs> so it's important to take, stock, to take stock so that number your days. Be mindful that time is fleeting. It's the currency with which we live out our lives. Some people didn't wake up today. Biblical perspectives on the tension of time. I just thought to chuck this in there because, um, and this is the scripture that, that, that I put there, is from Mark chapter 13, verses 32 to 33. It says, 
But about the day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. Obviously, this is speaking about the return of Christ. And um, the scripture following on that is 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 to 9, which says, But do not forget this thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So there really is this tension in time of where God requires us to live with an urgency, not with a familiarity of, well, tomorrow's another day, that whole thing of procrastination and, and all that kind of stuff, which is actually rooted in fear. You put things off because you're afraid, you know, and, you know, I've heard it said if you're procrastinating on writing something or getting something, just write the first sentence or something, you know, that's just a, f- a freebie there. I'm, I'm trying to practice that as well. But there's this tension between urgency and, pers- and like a consistent perseverance. So there's this, we have, to, we have to live with the Lord in the here and now, but we also have to live in such a way so that we'll be around for 60 years. You know, and still strong, still resilient, still representing the Lord, still maturing the Lord, still growing. So there is this tension that we need to hold. And I think we've all had those experiences where we've, we've just feel like we've missed an opportunity with the Lord in the moment, you know. Um, and it's, there's something around the tension of time uh, that's worth mentioning. Then there's also the accountability of time. There's going to come a day where we're all going to stand before the Lord, and we're going to have to account for the time that he has given us here on earth and what we've done with that time. A scripture that always just helps anchor me and, and keep me on the declination, you know, the right, the right um, destiny, I guess, is where it's Matthew 25, um, and I just chose the, the beginning of this portion of scripture. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And if any of you know that portion of scripture, it's where Jesus says, when I was hungry, when I was naked, when I was thirsty, when I was in prison, you know, you did these things for me. And to the goats, he turns and he says, well, as much as you didn't do it for the least of these, you didn't do it for me. So it's like, it's serious judgment scripture. You know, he's talking about a moment in history that will come where we will have to account. And you're either going to be among the sheep the sheep or the goats. Um, so that's quite sobering. I, I, you know, it's, it's, I often need sobering scriptures to help me <laughs> um, find focus in life. There's also Ecclesiastes 12 verses 13 to 14 that also says, Now all has been heard. This is now Solomon writing a very, you know, it can be quite a depressing, heavy book. And he says, after he's written this whole, you know, these 12 chapters, he says, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. So when we're thinking about time, the Bible's telling us that we are going to be held accountable for the time that God has given us and what we've done with it. And I felt it was important just to put that in here because 
sunrise and sunset, sunrise and sunset, day after day, day after day. We are getting time. And the question that God is going to, he's going to ask, what did you do? You know, and he's going to bring these things into account. Again, God owns time. I simply manage the time that he gives me. And all time, just a few points there that, that were um, of, of importance, is that all time is God's time, and therefore it's actually sacred. God has given it to us. And it's, it's a gift. It's like re- having a relationship with him. He gives himself to us, but it's, it's so that something can be reciprocated. I believe essentially that's why he made us, so that we would be able to share in his divine nature, that we would be able to, he wasn't lonely, you know what I mean? It's, he wanted to share himself and to reciprocate. And it's, time is one of the means by which he does that. A great modern misconception is that of the secular sacred divide. And that's why I just paused on Genesis 1.14. It's important to know that all time, that all time is sacred. You know, the time when you're at work is sacred. The time when you're at home listening to music is sacred. And I'm not saying that to say now that you need to be listening to Christian music or worship music. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just understanding that our lives are not um, this kind of life that I can switch on my Christianity and switch it off, you know? Um, because it's not even about Christianity necessarily, that word. It's, it's about the relationship that we have with the Lord and this journey of His image being restored inside of us and being expressed through us. And we can very often default to a form of Christianity where when I feel like it, it's on, and when I don't, I switch it off. Um, and that can happen anywhere, anyhow. And it, I mean, it happens all the time with me. You know, just if you want to see your Christianity switch off, just, um, you know, get stuck in some bad traffic, or traffic's usually a good indicator to tell you where you're at. You know, somewhere, somehow, it's those inconveniences in life, those things that really tick you off, those things... You can get a, it's just a nice litmus test to see where you're at with that thing, you know, because those are actually the moments where it needs to come out. And often it's not the image of God that's coming out in those moments, you know. And there's no formula, it's only relationship. The last point there is also a view on sacred time, and it's putting God's glory on display. There's a scripture reference there, Habakkuk 2, verse 14, which says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Can you imagine a world like that? The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory. This is people that know the glory of the Lord. It says the earth will be filled with it. I mean, that's a prophetic word that I, that, that I believe is still in, in process, that is still in motion, and that is, I really believe the Lord wants to fulfill that through us. The earth, can you imagine the earth being full of people that are knowledge, they know the glory of the Lord? And it's so saturated, it's so dense, just as the waters cover the sea. So just to jump into the practicalities with the time that we have left, are you ready to steward God's time? And I'm going to interchange a little bit here, but when I'm speaking about your time, I'm actually meaning God's time that he's given to you. Is that okay? It was just easier. Otherwise, the slides get very long and technical and stuff. So, <laughs> so the, thing, the thing with stewardship is you, you have to treat the thing that is given to you as though it is your own, but you also know that it's not yours. 
You understand what I'm saying? So that's what I mean when I say your time. It's that God has entrusted it to you, but you are, you are a steward. And you need to treat it as though it's your own. I don't want to lend stuff to people who don't treat it as though it's their own. You think about your car, your watch, you know, your cell phone. You know, we always say it. Yeah, they don't treat it like it's their own, you know. So, so that's really the thing of a steward. I treat it as though it's my own. But I know that it's not my own. I'm just managing that resource. God cares about all of your time, all of our time. Fortunately, it wasn't a bucket. I just kicked a bottle of water here. I've still got time. I'm still, I'm still here. <laughs> so God cares about all of your time. We're speaking about a whole life discipleship here. And that, I really believe that a whole life discipleship equates to a ceaseless expression of the image of God in our lives and through our lives, 24-7, 365, and leap year. It is a constant, a constant relationship. It is a constant um, restoration and expression that is happening through us. It's not so much about the doing. The doing will be a natural outflow of when we are aligned, when our being is aligned. Abide in me and bear much fruit. And I'll speak about that a bit. So how then do we practically live with and for God 24 7 365 i wish i had easy answers for you i don't there's no formulas all i can say in a nutshell is that it's similar to that thing with what i said in the beginning with moses if we spend time with him if we live with him not just for him if i don't just meet with him in my quiet time and leave but actually say lord this has been amazing can we take this into the day together if we can start doing that, then I think that we'll, we'll get close to, to something of what it looks like to live this out practically 24-7, 365, every second, every moment. May the meditations of my heart, you know, these, may, may, may the words of my mouth be pleasing to you. Like we, we want these things so desperately. And I'm really hoping that just some of the practical things that I share with you it's coming out of my own wrestle with these things and my own heart's desire to want to, um, to live this for real. But I hope that some of this will help you. Um, four things that I just want to put forward or four, uh, four categories is perhaps it's worthwhile just gaining perspective on your time. A second thing is gaining back your time. I'm sure all of you feel somewhere, somehow that you, you've robbed of your time or your time's been stolen or there's not enough time. So how do we gain back some time? Number three there, get a grip on your time. Um, that's kind of where I find myself currently in life. Life is chaotic. So I really want to get a grip on my time. And number four is how do we invest our time? You know, it's important that we, that we invest our time in the right things. So in terms of gaining a perspective on your time, I did a very interesting exercise. I've done it previously. I used to, when I used to journal, I don't really get much time anymore. Um, but I used to write down the day of my life since I was born, like day 10,953, you know, just, just for a, a bit of a shift in perspective. And so what was interesting is that... Um, uh, you can see there www.dateandtime.com. What you can do is just put your birth date in there 
And what I did is from my birthday, which is 25 May 1985, next year you guys can give me presents. If you want to backtrack, I'm, I'm also, my office is on the ground floor. Um, and then I put it till about 10 past 7 this evening. Um, so I'm 34 years old. Okay. How many days do you think that equates to? 34 years. So this is just doing uh, a personal time profile. And it's just the thing of gaining a bit of perspective on your time. How, how many days do you think 34? I can see the cell phones are coming out. Here we go. There we go. You, you, you warm. You warm. Just because of time is, is, is running out on my side, yeah? The result of that equals 12,447 days. Or 408 months. I mean, you think 34 years. Surely it's more than, than 408 months, you know? Alternative time units that could have been used. That's something crazy like 1 billion 1.075 billion seconds. It's like, man, I thought I'd be like 5 billion at least. You know? 17.9 million minutes. Really? 298,742 hours. Really? Only, I'm only nearing 300,000 hours in 34 years? And it breaks it down into, into all kinds of different things. 1,778 weeks. The reason I put that forward is just just to give you a bit of perspective in regards to time, and specifically your time, perhaps you can just do a personal time profile. Another thing that you can do is to do a, time, a personal time audit, which is literally just taking a day or a week um, or a month and just seeing what are the things that you're giving your time to. You know, often if you want to see your value system, you're going to see where do you spend your money and where do you spend your time. So if you're feeling robbed, if you're feeling like you're overcommitted, if you're feeling like there's not enough time for me in the day or 24 hours is not enough, then I think you need to stop. And this is not just for the, the people that think, you know, like high detail. It's just whoever you are, whatever personality type, all of us are investing our time somewhere. We're transacting with our time and we're also spending our money as well. So, so this, it's important just to, like I said, take stock, number your days, there's wisdom in that in order to just figure, figure your space out, figure your life out a bit. Maybe it's worthwhile to do that. What's, what's interesting as well is you can start to put rhythms into your days. You can start to put uh, rhythms into your week or your month. And I can, I'll unpack some of those things for you now. If you really want to go deep, you can do a personal timeline. Okay? What do I mean by this? This is just really stepping out and zooming out where you've got a a timeline, and it's like, I was born here, 1985, I met the Lord in 2003, I was baptized five times, you know, whatever, you know, someone passed away, yeah, it's just kind of orientating on a, on a, on a linear timeline where you're at. And the thing with that is we constantly, we want to hit the mark with our lives, right? We want to stand before the Lord and we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And at the older you get, you want to really start narrowing that, that destiny down. You really, really want to start, you know, you want to, you want to hit the mark. And so if you really want to go deep, <laughs> then, then I suggest doing a personal timeline. I've got a template for that as well if you guys are interested in that. 
Point number two in terms of gaining back some of your time. When things aren't adding up, start subtracting. Okay? You don't have to be at every meeting, every event, every single thing. If you're walking away from helping people and you're not, you don't have a jump in your step and you feel like, yes, I really just wasted, you know. You know and if you're mumbling and grumbling to yourself and you're feeling robbed of your time and whatever, you've got some issue with your boundaries and stuff like that. But the thing is, if your life isn't adding up, start subtracting, okay? Start subtracting. I don't know, you can interpret that how you want, but sometimes we're just overcommitted and we're doing too many things. We need to pinpoint, we need to focus, and it's about a spirit-led life. Not a need-led life, not a guilt-led life, not a people-led life, it's a spirit-led life. And so there's the, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. That still feels a bit distant for me sometimes, but there's truth in that. And there's a reality that we can experience in that. Create space by claiming back pockets of time. I say this because I'm an extremist at heart. I drink coffee like crazy in barrel loads for like three months and then all of a sudden I'll just stop because I'm like, caffeine addiction is from the devil, you know? And then I've got these crazy headaches and whatever. But the thing is actually is that I need to, we need to fight back in small ways. The extreme things don't actually work. They don't last very long. Um, you've seen it. You sin quite badly and immediately you want to start fasting and you think, yes, I'm going to fast for a month. And... But actually the thing is, I'm sorry, that's a messed up example. But it's, it's just the thing of that we need, to, we need to fight back in small ways because life is crazy. There's a lot going on. So just create space by claiming back small pockets of time. I don't know what is taking up your time. On a bit of a, a deeper note, there's also the thing of redeeming the locust-eaten years, as, it, as the scripture speaks about in Joel chapter 2, verse 25. I don't know, perhaps there's, there's a loved one that's strung out on drugs, you know, and their life, they've given their life to the wrong, you know, there's so many aspects to that. Maybe you came to the Lord late in your life, and you're feeling like, man, I've like, I've wasted the past 50 years of my life. I don't know. I don't know where you're at, but... The scripture is clear that the Lord is, is able to restore locust-eaten years. And maybe, that's, maybe there's something in that for you. There's also the very unique examples of King Hezekiah, who gets 15 years because he cried out. He didn't ask for 15 years, but he cried out for mercy from the Lord, and the Lord gave him an extra 15 years, you know? Um, and then there's also the story of Joshua, and the scripture is very clear that it never happened before, and it hasn't happened ever since. But he cries out while he's doing the will of God in this battle, sun stands still. And it stands still. And the interesting thing is apparently there's Chinese records of people on the other side of the earth where they recorded this crazy long day in history. You know, which is so, that's another thing that you can Google. Very interesting. Point number three, get a grip on your time. Busyness versus fruitfulness. Are you just busy? Or are you actually being fruitful? And I find myself being a very busy person. And I'm really trying to work harder at being more fruitful. How do I invest my time? Am I planning ahead? Am I, you know, I don't want to be busy. A friend of mine always says, look busy, Jesus is coming. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> like that's not helpful, man. The issue of people pleasing. For some of us, it's very easy. We just say, no, I don't care about your feelings. There you go, go. 
But for a lot of us, it's difficult. It's difficult to say no to people. You know, someone will phone you up and say, hey, what are you doing this weekend? No, I'm probably just going to hang around at home. Oh, that's awesome because now you can babysit my so-and-so and so. And you're like, and just by the way, I tell people, give me till tomorrow. I'll let you know tomorrow. You just create a buffer, you know? But there's some very interesting things that you can do. And people, you don't need to give people a reason if you're not going to be doing anything. Like, if you can't do it, then don't do it, you know? But anyway, you'll, you'll get burnt enough till eventually you get a bit of a harder skin and you put some boundaries in place and stuff. But people-pleasing is, it's going to kill you. It's going to steal a lot of your time. And you're going to feel robbed. Um, so learn to say no. There's nothing wrong with saying no, Okay. And maybe it's a lot in the beginning and people have to get used to it, but you'll see the people that overstep other people's boundaries all the time because they won't take it. But anyway, that's another story. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Are you living a 24-7 lifestyle? This is not in terms of consumer and do, 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 and this, 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 and that, that, that. Or I just thought I'd chuck this in there versus a 26-7 lifestyle. I just thought that was such an interesting... I read a book, it's called 26-7. I thought, whoa, double take. What, uh, is there a misprint here? No, 26-7. The person that writes the book actually says that we, we often end up living a 48-7 lifestyle. We're trying to do two days in one day every day for seven days. You know what I'm saying? But he's just saying, do 26, sorry, uh, 24-6. My bad, 24-6. Yeah, no, I'm hoping I'm not dyslexic. You guys can pray for me. <laughs> At least I got it right with the billions and millions, I think. But you don't know, because I've got the paper. So anyway. We need to rest. We finite beings, our resources are limited, our capacities are limited, our emotional capacity is limited. There's all these interesting factors. So we need to, we need to really listen to the Lord and use our bodies, use our resources in a way that is pleasing to Him. And that means we need to take a break. You're not that important. Oof. Hey, the world's not going to fall apart if you don't work on Sunday. And actually, the thing of Sabbath, the thing of taking time off is actually an act of faith because it's saying, Lord, I entrust these things to you while I'm taking a break. It's not a lazy thing. It's actually saying it's an act of faith to say, I'm so stressed, it doesn't make sense. But can you see what that cycle leads to? Eventually, you're not spending time with your family, you're not looking after your health, and eventually, you're 30 years old and you're having heart attacks and your wife wants to divorce you, and and you're just like, how did I get here? Just do 24-7 every single week, and you'll figure out very quickly um, why it all happens. So I'm just challenging you guys on that kind of, and it's, It's the world, the world. Are you conforming to the pattern of this world? Or are you going to be anti-conformist, you know, and live that subvertive life that Jesus requires us to live in the midst of the world, to show them the the glory of the Lord? Otherwise, you just look the same. I want to encourage you to fight back in small ways. I don't know what that looks like for you, but just fight back in small ways. Pastor Jack Ferreira that retired here end of last year, says, um, you know, there's, there's just these small things. Like, do you do any exercise? No, I don't. Okay, well, can you do one push-up? Yeah, I can do one push-up, you know? And it's literally, maybe all you start doing is doing one push-up a day. And I can tell you, I still need to practice that. I'm, I'm getting a bit, you know, getting a spare tie and all that kind of stuff, you know? And I need to practice what I'm preaching. So I'll do a push-up tonight. 
All right? Someone can hold me. My wife will hold me accountable. She's listening to me. I'll do a push-up tonight. Um, so just fight back in small ways. And when you do that one push-up, you'll feel like, wow, man, I can do another one. You know what I mean? It's not starting with 100 push-ups and getting disappointed and never going back there again. Okay? So just, a, just some, some advice there. And lastly, investing your time. Where you invest your time is what you'll have at the end of that time. So in all your spare time, if you're watching series, all you're going to have is like this cool narrative that no one else knows about unless they've watched the same series, you know? Gaming, like there's all these different things, you know? I don't know what you're giving your time to, but it, you know, it's, I, I, before there was this thing of saving on like, uh, like, you know, those old, you know, golden China, whatever, you know, you would play and play and play and then someone would bump the thing and then it's all gone, you know? Like the power trips or something, and you're like, you didn't have anything saved. And it's like, man, I was almost at the end, and it's gone. And you spend six hours, and it's like, <laughs> So anyway, where you invest your time is actually what you're going to have at the end of that time. So it's a silly thing to say, but it's real. Where are you investing your time? In this modern age, there's a lot that's going on. There's a lot of pressures. Economics is not so good. All these kind of things. And you can be very overwhelmed, but I want to encourage you to move from a place of being overwhelmed to being intentional. And that's really the thing of getting a grip on your time. Do, do a personal time audit, whatever it may be. Just, just try to, to make a bit of a buffer for yourself so that you can get a grip and that you can start going from being tossed to and fro to say, okay, well, this is one small thing that I can do this week. And you can build on that. I want to encourage you to practice living with God in real time. This is, like I said, it's the, it's the standard, the standard that we don't always reach. But when you're driving, the Lord is there. When you're in meetings, the Lord is there. Um, there's so many, you can just think about it. I mean, even when, you, when you're answering nature's call, the Lord is there. You know, I talk to him because he made me to, use, to answer nature's call and I answer nature's call and he's there, you know. And uh, sometimes it's the only space that parents get just to be like, Phew. you know, Phew, okay. And then little people start knocking on the door. Shame my wife knows, knows that uh, especially. So just practice living with God in real time. Okay, don't wait for Sundays. Don't wait for song group. Don't wait for, um, you know, whatever it may be, a prayer meeting, whatever. Live with God in real time. Um, something I do in meetings is I really, I just envision myself leaning back into the Father's bosom and just saying, Lord, yes, man, like really need to, I need to contribute something to this meeting. Like, do you, is there something that, that I can share in this meeting? You know, like, um, and it's been amazing to see the things that he, that he lays on my heart to share, you know. Um, then just with the second last slide, yeah, in, in investing your time, just continuing with that. I want to encourage you to practice the spiritual disciplines. Okay, there's no real exhaustive list, but that book over there, it's called the Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, and it's, it's by a lady called Adal Kalhun. I don't know exactly how to pronounce her name, but I found this book extremely um, life-giving in terms of um, just being able to create space in my life for God. And the spiritual disciplines, it's not about I do these things and then I'm righteous. It's actually... I set a table for the Lord and I wait for him to arrive at that table. 
That's kind of the, the thing with spiritual disciplines is that it doesn't make me more righteous or more holy. It actually just creates space in my life to have intimacy with God. And sometimes he rocks up in a big way, sometimes he doesn't, but that's why it's called a discipline. And it's, it's graceful, it's not legalistic, it's not like, oh, I missed it today and so the Lord is not on my side or whatever. So if you can lend it or look at it or whatever, and for those of you who love Richard Foster and Dallas Willard, all their stuff is inside you. The, the Desert Fathers, the, the Heroes of the Faith, there's amazing stuff. Francis of Assisi, there's all different kinds of, of um, disciplines in this book. And that's what it is, it's a handbook, it's like a textbook. To say, and it's very practical. And just reading through the introduction, you can figure out, yes, man, maybe this is something I can practice this week, just to create space in your life for the Lord. And then, lastly, I want to encourage you to discern the season of your life and walk with Him. God initiates, and I respond. That's how it works. He initiates, and we respond. It's not that. Lord, I want to work on this thing, you know, in this. It's like, actually, I need to allow him to initiate, and I respond from that place. I used to hate this thing of when people talk about seasons and knowing the season of your life, and I thought, yes, man, I mean, there's summer, winter, autumn, and spring. What other seasons can there be, you know? Like, and how can a season go on for seven years? I'm just like, guys, come on, man, whatever. But it's true. It really is true. Eventually, I grew up a bit in the Lord in that, and I realized that there is a season for everything under heaven. Um, and the Lord is our Father, and He fathers us through the different situations and scenarios and seasons in our lives. And the better, you know, I don't want to be wearing a thick winter jacket in summer. You know what I'm saying? And so sometimes people are like, yes, man, you know, really, um, you know, life is so tough. But it's actually a season of joy. And it's like, dude, that was last, we were lamenting last season. It's like, you should have lamented then. Why are you lamenting now? This is a season of joy. And it's like, you know, and you can really just, you can miss it. But I just want to encourage you, discern the season and walk with him in that. And if you're not sure what it is, just let him initiate in your life. And then you just respond to that. Okay? If you haven't heard the Lord's voice for a while, what is the last thing he spoke to you about? Go back to that. If the Lord's speaking to you continually, then that's great. Then just keep on responding to him in that journey. Lastly, I thought just to read this to you in terms of a whole life discipleship and the thing that there's no such thing as secular and sacred divides. Your work is just as holy as you being here in these chairs in this church service now. Your desk chair is just as holy as you sitting in that, that nice little church chair over there. Okay? And Neil Bester read it this morning in the morning service and I just want to read this, this quote to you in closing from Charles Spurgeon. He wrote in the, the mid-1800s, the mid and this is what he wrote. He said, To a man who lives unto God, nothing is secular. Everything is sacred. He puts on his workday garment, and it is a vestment to him. A vestment is like a priestly garment. He puts on his blue collar or his white collar, and to him it's a priestly garment. He goes forth to his labor, and therein exercises the office of the priesthood. His breath is incense. I mean, we were singing about day and night, you know. Imagine, my, my, your breath is incense to the people around you. Your breath is incense to the Lord. His breath is incense and his life a sacrifice. He sleeps on the bosom of God and lives and moves in the divine presence. To draw a hard and fast line and say, 
this is sacred and this is secular is, to my mind, diametrically opposed to the teaching of Christ and the spirit of the gospel. Jesus loves the people at your workplace. Jesus loves the people at your university. Jesus doesn't just love you. And the life that he's called you to is a life of him restoring his image inside of you and authentically and accurately expressing that through you. 24-7, 365, and leap year. And my prayer for us is that we would be able to steward the time that God gives us so that we can use it for his glory. Not in a Christianese kind of way, but in a way where we journey so deep and so long with the Lord that eventually there's this heart response that says, yes, Lord, just show me your glory. And then we have experiences like Moses. He didn't know what was going to happen. But he journeyed so long and so deep with the Lord that there was just this response from his spirit that said, man, I, I just want to know more. There's no formula, guys. It's only relationship. And I realized one of the things that came to me out of this is I've always asked the Lord for directions. I haven't been so good at following, just following. So Father, we just thank you so much for who you are. For those of us who feel like there's not enough time or we've lost time or we've been robbed of our time. I pray specifically for those with health issues, Lord. I just pray that you'd be gracious and kind to us, Lord. And pray that you would redeem what is left of our time, redeem what is left of our lives, Lord. For those of us who are just going through the day-to-day -day grind, help us, Lord, to live a spirit-led life, to live with you in real time, to be good stewards of the time that you entrust to us. We may not wake up tomorrow, but we also need to live in a way that we'll be around for 60 years. Help us to manage those tensions. I just pray your blessing upon your people as they leave the space. I pray that, Holy Spirit, that there would be an acute sensitivity in their minds regarding the way that they're living their lives, myself included. That we would stop and take stock and notice what are the things that we're giving our time to? What are the things that bring you glory? What are the things that don't? Thank you for being gracious and kind and that you never give up on us. I'm so grateful to you for that. You never give up on us. And I just pray, Lord, and well, actually, I just thank you that you will not relent until your image is restored inside of mankind, of humankind. Where human beings start to look more like you again and express you again and bring more people into your family. Thank you for that mandate that you've given us. And I pray that you would help us to carry your presence as temples of your Holy Spirit wherever we may go using the time that you've given us to your glory so that your, the knowledge of your glory will cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. We bless you. Thank you for hearing us. Thank you for being among us. And thank you that when we leave this place, you go with us, Lord. We just pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 So guys, thank you for your time. Trust it was well invested. It's time for me to practice what I preach. Thank you.